What's up, Chomos? It's your boy, Adam Pecora here, and welcome to the 100th episode of Requiem for a Tuesday. How the fuck are ya? I'm sipping my coffee. It's early. The windows are open. Probably not good for the audio, but too bad. It's beautiful out. Feeling great. So we got a lot to get into. As always, but actually this time we got a full slate. Who would have thought? Uh, <laughs> had to delay this monumentous occasion for a week for a few reasons, okay? Your boy got an alibi. Well, it wasn't just laziness. Started a new job. Easter happened. You know. <laughs> There's sports and stuff on. Uh <laughs> But also, I just didn't really have a lot. Didn't have a big subject. Didn't even have one. Waited a week. All of a sudden, I got three. Funny how things work out. So we got a big one today. Wanted to make sure the 100th episode had something. I mean, these just come out every week anyway, for the most part. Uh, So it's not really like as much of an occasion, because I just got to do this next week. So... (laughs) But, you know, I wanted to at least have it have something going on that's not lame. You know, the big 100. I think we dropped. I've heard, I've said this many times before, but I did like 10 episodes just on YouTube just to kind of feel the whole thing out. So I think it's been about exactly two years. Maybe a little more. I think mid-April two years ago was when we actually became like a podcast on podcast services. So just kind of missed the two-year mark. But it's weird that I there's like two anniversaries to go off of if I want to make my numbers seem better. So thanks for, to the tens of you that have been listening the whole time or even still. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. It's not over, so, you know, hopefully we'll still be fun, and uh, we'll talk some shit. And believe me, there's plenty of shit to be talked. But first, you know how it is, I gotta do it, we're we're plugging up here. Rate, review, subscribe to Requiem for a Tuesday. I just did like a head move thing. Let me know if that translated into audio at all. Uh, <laughs> rate, review, subscribe anywhere. Apple, Spotify. If you listen to something else, you're on something else. You're weird. But, you know, you should also subscribe to the nine people on Earth that use anything else. Some fucking Android user who's got like a Galaxy S2 still. And they're like, no, it's better. I can customize it. I remember this old head one time when I was working over at the Whole Foods Market. He came up to me and he was just like talking into his phone. And then, of course, you know, he has to tell me if somebody's got to tell you how good something is, it probably isn't that good. Like, I've never had anyone come to me and be like, yo, have you ever used an iPhone? This shit is nuts. I think that that. Has just naturally become knowledge. Uh, this guy's like talking into his thing. He's like, "This is Cortana, okay? <laughs> She's way smarter than Siri." And uh, 
that was really the whole story. But the point is, Windows Phone ceased operation maybe three months later. <laughs> like it wasn't. It's not like this guy was rolling strong, and to this day, he's like, ah, Cortana. <laughs> well, maybe he is. That's the sad thing. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's the YouTube channel. You can go subscribe to that also. Not much extra stuff on there, really. There was going to be the 100th episode video special. But we all know what happened there. So you can check out the episode 55 video special, which makes a lot of sense up on the YouTube channel. Uh, there's also some music stuff on there. Check out the music. Multiplex Wolfex was streaming everywhere. You know the drill. And uh, grab some merch. Rfat.bigcartel.com. Follow me on Instagram. Adam.rfat. I'm asking a lot. Please do it all. <laughs> Just because, you know, help your boy out here. Uh, I think that that's all of it, but either way, let's just roll right in. We got a big day here. Okay. A lot of thes. This is the the episode, as I'm sure you could tell. So, this Elizabeth Holmes bitch. Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new segment I like to call Cunt Corner. <laughs> Uh, see, sometimes sometimes having a week off is good. I get back and I'm like, let's go. I'm on edge, baby. Let's, you know, let's fuck some nerds up or whatever. <laughs> uh, so I didn't really know about this. I don't know how I avoided hearing about the whole thing, really. This Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes shit. Uh, I'm new to all of it because of the trial whenever that started, you know, a couple months back. Maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. I don't even really know. Uh, but I, I was not aware of this as it went down, the whole company scandal falling apart, the Walgreens thing. I didn't know about any of this somehow. Uh, so I guess that's on me. I mean, it seems like a pretty widely publicized, huge story. I'd never even heard of this chick up until like literally until this trial was happening. Uh, so I'm kind of confused, but I'll get into that. Uh, we're really talking about the show here also, the dropout, Amanda Seyfried. It's really all you need to know. What what a banger uh, of a show. I'm not talking about her, but, you know, hit me up, Amanda. So this show, The Dropout, on Hulu, ended maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, roughly. Um, and I've been hearing about this too much now. HBO dropped a doc and then the show itself was based off of like a big podcast, like narrative one that was done by like ABC or something crazy. And uh, it was basically like, all right, I'm seeing this shit everywhere. Like, let's just check it out, see what goes on. And of course, like upon seeing it everywhere, I look into it and it's like, this is totally insane this whole story i don't know how shit like this keeps happening i almost applaud people that can manage to commit mass fraud in such a such an age where it has just become so difficult like you know you watch catch me if you can and this guy's just like let me just write a different name on this check and it's like all right here's ten thousand dollars and then like in modern times you have keith ranieri like making a pyramid scheme that's also a fake company that's also a sex dungeon that's also a cult and it's like wow that's a multi-layered thing that you really had to like you know it's 
a lot of structure in there. <laughs> I don't applaud him. Let me just clarify that. Uh, I like, but I do, I am fascinated by fraudsters, con men, or women. To you sexist pigs out there. You don't think a bitch could lie? <laughs> Why bitch gotta lie? Why bitch gotta lie? Why bitch gotta lie? Uh, but they're, they're always just so fascinating. I mean, the fact that you could even commit to just lies on top of lies that you then have to keep track of, like, and just thinking it'll work out in the end. It almost never does. I guess if it does, we don't hear about it because we don't know that it happened. Right? But, like, uh, I don't remember the guy's name. Or what the documentary was called. Uh, but there was a 30 for 30 about the, this dude who bought the New York Islanders. I want to say late 80s, early 90s, maybe mid 90s. And he basically had no money. Like he was like he was like a upper middle class success. But found himself in like billionaire circles or whatever. And it just doesn't make any sense. So they all just assumed that he was also rich. And then he was like, yeah, I'm rich. And they're like, okay, cool. We know you from the golf course. We'll help you buy this team. And I just don't understand how there's not a vetting process. It's just brutal. Anyway, somebody give me $10 million. Like, what's happening? This is crazy. Uh, But anyway, let's get into the show. So... Eight episodes, I believe. They're about an hour each. They vary a little bit. Um, I, of course, have ad-supported Hulu, so they're a little bit longer. You know, maybe let's get those numbers up. You boy can go to premium. (laughs) Uh, So it's Amanda Seifert. There's a great cast, like, sprinkled throughout. There's a lot of people that I don't recognize. Maybe you kids might notice. If you're a kid, turn this off. Uh... (laughs) So, William H. Macy has a supporting role, Lori Metcalf, um, there's a bunch of other ones, I don't, I, I, I can't think right now, it's less important, but there's, the main thing is Amanda Seyfried, she's pretty much on screen the entire time, um, maybe 80% of the entire show, they the focus is really on her, it's also kind of within the company, um, so you can see what things are like when she's not around. But uh, for the most part, the show is like 100% like this is we're showing you Elizabeth Holmes at work in private. uh, And Seyfried is unbelievable in this the whole time. And here's the thing, not knowing Elizabeth Holmes, like I read about her, uh, the deep voice thing, which I'll get into in a second. uh, but just kind of, exp- there's a lot of uh, description on her mannerisms and, like, her way of speaking and stuff. Like, even if you just read her Wikipedia page, they're like, yo, this bitch weird as fuck. <laughs> and from what I gather, again, the only info I know is reading through Wikipedia. They kind of nailed it. It didn't really seem like they skimped anything. But, again, I have as little detail as possible. Um, but it does seem like this show did a good job to try to get like an accurate depiction of what happened. We don't. It doesn't seem like this is like a winning time. We're just gonna make this the craziest show possible, regardless of truth. 
which does kind of defeat the purpose of winning time, although that show is very fun. Uh, but if you're like me and you're not really sure what went down, basically Elizabeth Holmes was pretty smart, you know. It's not like this this is where it gets confusing, so I'll label things that are confusing to me as they go. So she was like smart. She got into Stanford. Not easy. Okay? I'm not getting it. I mean, I could if I really tried, like, if I go back like years and years and years, maybe I could have pushed myself towards going to Stanford. But you know, by the time it was time to apply, your boy had no chance. Okay? I don't know why I needed to clarify that. <laughs> Fuck Elizabeth Holmes. She's a woman. I can do it. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, <laughs> also, I will just say about the show. They definitely wanted to do like a social network vibe to this. Uh, whoever did the score clearly like mimicked it. I, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say influenced by, but it is a little bit of a ripoff, especially given it's Silicon Valley, like, status. Uh, but I mean, not nearly on that level, of course. The Social Network score is unbelievable. I listen to that just regularly, <laughs> which maybe says something about me. But anyway, good score, a lot of, like, minimal synth stuff. There's some just, like, pure 808 things going on in there it's real nice uh but anyway she gets into stanford and she's there for some kind of like biologic science whatever i don't care not that important and she basically had it in her head the whole time she's like i'm gonna start a company i'm gonna be a billionaire blah 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 she's like steve jobs dropped out of college blah 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 so did zuck whatever and it's like okay if you're plan, well, she wasn't planning to do this, but that's how it gets to. Anyway, uh, she knew. She's like, I'm starting a company at Stanford because I'm the best. Great. Uh-huh. So she then like goes to China to study abroad, like either the summer before or like her first semester. I don't really remember the exact details of that. And she meets this old Indian dude, Pakistani maybe, I don't remember, Sunny. Uh, who they get into a little entanglement and he ends up coming back later and, you know, becomes like the co-head of Theranos. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, she goes back to Stanford. She immediately goes to like the research labs for like grad students and they're like, get out of here, kid. You know? How about you go to college first? But th this is one of the things I don't understand. So I guess these grad students have been working on this project for, you know, God knows how long. And she just walks up and solves it Goodwill Hunting style. Now, there's, again, this could be an element of the show. We're strictly talking about the show here. I'm going to take the show as fact. Just for the sake of this argument. And be like, I don't understand how this makes any sense. Okay? So now that's clarified. So she immediately just goodwill huntings this dude. And the guy's like, alright, you're on the team. Welcome to the research lab. And she basically just speeches him into like, I'm the shit. Can't you tell? And he's like, well, I do have some proof to this. Because you solved this problem. 
Uh, so it's like, is she capable? Is she not capable? I don't really understand that because she seems completely incompetent once it moves past this. So I kind of just think that everybody's right. That's where Lori Metcalf comes in too. She's, um, she plays like a doctor, whatever, uh, who is very established and respected and all that. And she's basically like, yo, you're a woman in science. Can you hook me up? And she's like, fuck you, bitch. Ain't nobody hook me up. Like I had to bust my ass. That's the hard part about being a woman in science. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Which was great because she was ultimately very correct. And that comes back full circle as well. Uh, But long story short. Oh, wait. (laughs) So. My timeline of this is a little hazy on exactly how it happens, but this is all around the same point. Uh, At one point. I think it's right after that because she's like riding high that things are going well, but it could be the opposite where she got like rejected by the um, graduate staff thing initially. Anyway, she goes out and like has a party night because her whole thing is like, I'm just trying to work, 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 work. I want to get this company started. I want to do all these things. Um, And everybody is telling her like, live your life. Like you're a fucking college kid. Like have some fucking fun. It's freshman year. Like you'll get there, you know? And so she goes out to a party and is assaulted with a penis. <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't have done it like that. It is bad. It's very bad. She did not deserve that. Nobody does. But anyway, uh, and obviously that had a very big effect on her. And then her mom shows up and is basically like, yeah, just forget about it. You'll be all right. And she just looks at her and she's like, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, it, is, it was a very weird scene. The show is a little slow to begin with, too, because you don't really know anybody yet. But it, it it really starts to hit a head of steam a little bit later. There's a lull on, like, episode three and four. But, like, one and two set everything up, and it's really interesting. And then three and four are a little, uh, and then the last half is pretty solid. But we'll get there, as I said. Uh, but I feel like that's really where the turning point is, and she just kind of kicks it into, like, full work mode from there. Um, her and that sunny dude, he stayed in China cause obviously that's where he already was when they met. She cuts off all contact with him after that happens. Cause she's like, yo, you're old. This is fucking weird. Like I don't need to be talking to no dudes period. Like I'm on, she doesn't tell him what happened. I don't know if she ever does in the show, like explicitly on screen at least, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, and he's like weird and like a manipulator and he'll be like really aggressive at moments um his character is kind of flawed it doesn't really make any sense within the show because at first he's like clearly it seems like the way it's going is that he's gonna like what's the term like groom her and then just kind of manipulate her into a bunch of stuff but then that never really happens They kind of do have, like, an okay... I mean, they're both really fucked up, so, like, it's not a good relationship, period. But it doesn't go down the path it seems like it's going to, the way he's introduced. And then he becomes, like, a rage head, but never at her, like, just at Theranos. And then he becomes just, like, comic relief. Uh, But he also seems like he's smart and competent at times. It just doesn't really add up. So I don't know, really know what to make of that guy. They kind of paint a bunch of different like optional pictures of him. And you get to kind of pick what you think. 
Uh, but then basically she just like convinces the research dude. She's just like, I have an idea. And the idea is basically like, what if while you got a blood test, we also administered medicine and everybody's like, that's impossible. And she's like, no, it isn't because I thought of it. And they're like, no, but that's just not how it works. Like, you just can't do that. You know? And she's like, nah, but it, it'll work because I thought of it. <laughs> and that's where, like, she comes in comparing herself to other people. She's like, nobody believed in Steve Jobs, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, th- this isn't similar. Like, his idea wasn't just, like, computers. And he's like, I'm dropping out of college. Like, that's not really how it went down. Uh, And then... I think they try to work on it in the research lab and it fails. And then she's like, I have a better idea. What if you could test blood with just like a finger prick, like a diabetes test, basically, but you could test everything. And they're like, oh, that is a great idea. Um, and everybody, again, is like, that's not possible. Like all the people she goes to. But she's like, no, it is again, because I thought of it. So that means you could do it. And she swindles that head of research guy for the grad students into like making that the new project. And while they have a meeting, she talks about, she she does this thing where she like knows research about everybody. So she'll be like, Dr. Andrews, you did blah, blah, blah at 19. And you were the head of Harvard medicine at 26. And you did all these things. And it's like, well, how do you feel about this? And everybody is just immediately like really impressed and enamored. And they're like, oh, you're so smart. So basically she just gasses everybody up and then is like, do you really want to fuck this up for yourself? And they're like, no, 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 you're right. I am smart. And it's like, I don't see how that would work, but I don't, (laughs) whatever. Part of the confusing part. Uh, So then that cycle just kind of repeats itself over and over again. Once they're working on it in the research facility, She just does the same thing to a bunch of people. She's like, oh, Henry Kissinger, blah, blah, blah. You were this guy. You were this guy. And she just like impresses all these people with these dumb little speeches, just speaking facts about their own lives. And then they're like, here's $100 million. And it all just keeps going. So within like a matter of months, she's like, I'm dropping out of school to start my own company. We got all the funding. Like it all happens very, very quickly. And with like no evidence that it's even possible. So it's not like they start the research and it's going well. And they're like, well, she just like, I love this idea. I've got the idea. Like she didn't give herself the chance to fail, which is dumb. It's science. Like, oh, I just have a great idea. Like, for example, I've said this many times in the show. I've had the great idea. Of putting water in a can (laughs) since I was like 10 years old, maybe earlier. Does that mean I should have dropped out of elementary school? No. Okay. I don't know how to start liquid death, but they did it and they're doing great. And it validates my idea, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't have went to high school, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, and that's when she's like, oh, Steve Jobs dropped out of school. It's like, yeah, to found Apple. Like, they had, he had a bunch of shit going on, okay? I don't need to get into the story of Steve Jobs. I know it very well, uh, so I won't bore you with those details. But let me tell you, he wasn't just like, let's see what happens. (laughs) Like, no. 
And it actually all started with manipulating phone lines so people could get international calls for free. So you don't start with the full idea. You got to get some capital. You know, you got to do all this shit. Anyway, they keep hiring people. They're moving into offices. She's like, I'm Steve Jobs, blah, blah, blah. And then it just keeps accelerating and they never actually produce anything the whole time. Yet she keeps securing more funding, doing the same things because of the connections she already has through Stanford. She then gets connections to all this other shit. Um, Also, a big note, she talks to the head of the Stanford science thing who's, you know, allowed all of this to begin anyway. Uh, She mentions how the Yahoo guys were in his thing and they offered him a chance to invest and he turned it down and he felt like an idiot. So he's like, I don't want to miss this one. So he's like, yeah, I'll invest. I'll be on the board. I'll do all this shit. Um, and basically, like I said, her credibility is just, Oh, she helped us with this other thing. So she must know what she's doing. So then it just keeps on spiraling, uh, technically upward for her. And they open these labs and all this stuff, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing, yet they've never built anything. Uh, Their prototypes are terrible. They don't work at all, Uh, let alone just the fact that what she's trying to do is still currently, as of right now, impossible. And this was like eight years ago or longer. Uh, So then they just kind of show the evolution of everything, like inside the actual labs as they're working on stuff. Like it's more of a like oh, we're young, we're trying to change the world, we're trying to do all this stuff. It's like a fun environment where they're like trying to research stuff and whatever, and it just keeps not working and not working again because it's impossible. And you just kind of watch it all devolve from like a, a happy thing to where everybody has to like, they have to start lying to people and they have to start like faking uh, demonstrations and they have to start going to like cancer wards and being like, yeah, you're part of a trial. So we're going to try out testing your blood. And they're basically like, oh, since it's a trial, like we're not going to get in any trouble if the facts are wrong. And it's like, well, we already know that they're going to be wrong. So this is wrong. Like we shouldn't be doing this. Um, And then they start to like heighten security to where there's like armed people in the building at all times. And, There becomes like restricted access parts of the building and then there's like secret projects and secret labs and nobody's allowed to talk and then everybody's being spied on and it just gets so crazy to where basically you're working in a prison. You're not allowed to tell anyone anything. Everybody has to sign all these NDAs and do all this shit Um, and nobody knows why because they don't realize because they restrict all the knowledge that they don't know that everything that's happening at the company is totally fake. They're like, yeah, we're building towards something great. And everybody they hire is like, oh, I admire Elizabeth Holmes and all this. And meanwhile, as it grows and grows, she just becomes a high-profile CEO. She's not even involved in the day-to-day. She's just like, y'all better get this done because I'm rich. I'm living the lifestyle. Like, I'm Steve Jobs now. I told y'all. And what's confusing to me is that at no point did anybody ever be like we have to see this well they did they'd be like we have to see the thing and she's like nah you can't right now it's not working she would just have an excuse for everything every time and they'd be like oh okay and they would keep moving forward then they strike a huge deal with walgreens all through manipulation they're basically like y'all losers you ain't cvs and they're like oh okay 
are bad. Great cameos there, too. Alan Ruck is, like, the guy from Walgreens. He's awesome. Um, also, just to note, this show was made by Elizabeth Merriweather, the chick who made New Girl, and Michael Showalter from uh, Wet Hot American Summer was, like, directing episodes and was very involved. Very interesting the way this show is set up. And... It's like almost billed and kind of is like a black comedy. There's definitely like some comedy in it, but it functions better when it's trying to be a drama. That's part of what gets confusing about the Sonny character because he's like very serious and like dark, but then he's like very, he's like just trying to be funny a lot of the time. Not like the character himself is making jokes, but just like his actions and his words, like he becomes like a comic figure. So it's weird kind of that balance, but overall the show is pretty good. Um... So then she basically can't stall anymore and they have to do the Walgreens deal. And they're like in Walgreens offering blood tests to people and people are submitting their blood tests. And then they're like leaving them in trucks and like sitting out and going bad. And then they run them to their labs and just run them through regular blood test machines. But like since there's not enough blood, it like and the blood is bad. They're like not reading accurate results. And to me, it's like. If your fraud is going to be that you made a blood testing machine that doesn't test blood and you're going to run it on other ones, shouldn't you have all the ops down to where like, okay, we're going to make sure this blood is like in perfect shape. Like we have all this money. We're this huge startup. Like, wouldn't we maximize our fraud and be like, we need to cover our ass on this fake shit no matter what. And it's like, no, they were just like lazy and didn't even try. She was basically like, once I got money, I'm good. And that's what's crazy. It's like, why would you go to all that length to fake all this shit and then just not do anything about it when it's failing? You know, like, obviously the th- the right thing to do would be like, we're going to cease operations like this isn't working, like we can't keep doing this. But on top of that, they're just like, no, we'll just stay super incompetent too. Like, we're not even going to fake shit right. We're going to be shitty at faking it. And it's just crazy to me because it keeps happening throughout the whole time. Like, can we see it? And she's like, nah. And they're like, oh, okay. Here's more money. And it's like, what? Um, And then simultaneously, William H. Macy's character, who's great in this show, he is basically on to her from the beginning. And he's like an inventor guy, whatever. So he made like... Uh, he filed like conflicting patents or something like that. It wasn't entirely clear. And so he's like trying to sue and uncover their fake thing the whole time. And so eventually he gets in touch with the reporter at the Wall Street Journal and they corroborate with a bunch of people. And that starts the investigation and basically the Wall Street Journal uncovers that the whole thing is fake through like a bunch of shit. And they're like intimidating witnesses and all this crazy shit. Uh, where like Theranos' legal team is like tracking people down and like all this shit, loading them up with lawsuits, um, and like really high profile people are super involved in Elizabeth Holmes. Like they love her and they believe in her, and nobody really understands why. And like this one dude like disowns his grandson who's working there, and all this crazy shit just keeps happening. And earlier, what I didn't mention is all the patents. This is a key thing. Have Elizabeth Holmes's name and this one other guy. And basically the one other guy invented all the stuff that's in the patents anyway. And he's just like some British loser. <laughs> so he's always like, oh, this was such a lovely company. What happened? Blah, blah, blah. 
And eventually all the NDAs and all this crazy shit like drives him out of the company because uh, he knows he can't leave because he needs health insurance because he's like a former cancer patient. And if it comes back, he'll be fucked. So all that he like doesn't want to leave and they'll like blackball him if he does. So they stick him into like a meaningless thing where he just sits at a computer all day and doesn't do anything. Anyway, uh, that guy gets driven to suicide, which to me, you know, crazy. You're pretty soft, but that's also tragic. So whatever. <laughs> Uh, and that's what really sparks the investigation because William H. Macy and Lori Metcalf go to his widow's house and then they all collect info and really get the thing kickstarted and then there's whistleblowers and all this shit. And the real thing that does it is this new girl submits things about the lab to this like government agency that inspects labs and then they show up and there's nothing they can do to like swindle them out of it. He's like, no, like I'm going in there. Because all the other times somebody needed to see the lab, they would come up with an excuse. They'd like lock them in a room and have a bunch of conversations. And they're like, all right, we're going to do a tour of this and a tour of that. And they're like, no, nah, I just need to see the lab. And they're like, nah, you can't. <laughs> After like hours and hours and hours. So eventually, this is the one guy that gets in and that really breaks things wide open. And then the journal does all that shit. And then the company kind of falls apart. Finally. Um, and there's a bunch of great shit like, you know, her and Sonny have the, like their relationship stuff that goes on and that's all fucking weird as hell. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes with her fucking deep voice thing is very weird and honestly Cypher undersells it because right after I watched the show, I watched the HBO doc, which is terrible. It's very poorly made. It's like images with narrative overlay, like there's not like shots of stuff. There's not a lot of like archival footage. It's really just like, here's a photo. And then here's some guy. They get like a couple people that were like pretty big proponents of like what went down. But overall, it's just like random shit. There's like, here's an economist. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about what this guy has to say. Uh, but it was good to see just like a little bit of footage of Elizabeth Holmes and like her weird deep voice shit. And it, it's significant. Like, here's me right now talking. And then it was like, imagine that. I start a company and you see me on TV and I'm like this. Yeah, I just really think that uh, we're going to change the world. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? <laughs> that's that's not what he sounds like, you know, and it's just fucking strange. Uh, and then at the end and they're like, she just has this like meltdown. It's all very impressive. Seifert is unbelievable. She deserves an award for this. So hopefully whenever that happens, she gets one because she's fucking phenomenal throughout the whole show. Uh, but my overall point is just like, I don't get it. I don't get how this company made it this far, basically just on her quote unquote charm. But she seems like a fucking creepy weirdo and she just uses like buzzwords all the time. And it just doesn't make any sense how it got that far. And throughout the show, they're like. Well, now you're doing an even bigger disservice to women in science, blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody looked up to you. You were supposed to be, like, breaking the mold, and now you're just, like, proving stereotypes. And it's like, yes, that's true, but also, like, everybody let her get to that point. Like, it's it doesn't, it. I just don't register how you could get that far with a fake product that you never show anyone, and people keep funding and giving you more. And especially because so many people in the science community talked about how it was like such an impossible thing. But then all of a sudden 
It just isn't because she's young and hungry. It's just very weird. The whole concept was like, I have a great idea. And everybody's like, yeah, but that idea is not applicable. Like, you're right to think that. That would be great. No denying that your thought process and like, you know, like that would be great. But it just can't happen. And she's like, but what if it could? And it's like, yeah, sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> it It's fucking great, though. I really recommend watching the show. I watched it in like two days, like Saturday, Sunday, back to back, four and four, whatever you want to do. Um, but it just ended recently and I was like, fuck it. I got to get on this. Cause I was also planning on watching the WeWork show and kind of like juxtaposing that, but that took longer to get into. And I don't think that's over yet. Or I think it just ended like this week. Um, so I'll give that a chance. Cause that's a similar story, right? It's just like this guy said all the right things to all the right people and got way too much money for an idea that ultimately wasn't that good and he couldn't execute any of the big things he said he could and then walked away with billions. And he actually, I think, didn't even get in trouble. Like, he got fucked out of the company, but I think he's still just, like, a billionaire. Like, no problem. Uh, And then Elizabeth Holmes is just like, I'm gonna fuck this hotel air so I can stay rich, but good for you, I guess. She just swindled another dude. The the breakup scene between her and Sonny is pretty crazy because that's where it like really flips the characters too. because Sonny's like, yo, like I actually like was into this and like I was trying to help you out the whole time that this disaster of a company was happening. And then <laughs> she's like, nah, you're a loser. And it just like t- fully reveals her as a sociopath right at the end, which is pretty awesome. So, feel bad for that hotel guy. But anyway, she's going to be in prison, so does it really matter? Who knows how long she'll get? Hopefully, very long. So we don't have to deal with her in the future. But, I mean, it really fucked a lot of people up. People were getting, like, false positives for cancer or negatives. Uh, People were getting, like, oh, you have fucking chlamydia or whatever. You know, it would just be, like false diagnosis and all this crazy shit because they had no reliable samples one thing i don't really understand is like very far into the thing did they break down a blood testing machine and like see how it worked to me that would be like step number one if you're trying to build a blood testing machine why wouldn't you reverse engineer an existing one and then like you know isn't that just how all things work so i didn't really understand that i don't i just don't understand how any of this happened Just incompetence everywhere. And I mean, ultimately, I get it. If you're just some guy at a company, you're just some guy and you happen to make it real far. So it technically doesn't make you more qualified. But the people in the science field that were on board with this and let it happen and like were cool with there not being any information and all that. uh, It's just like y'all fucked up. And the whole thing, they're just like, oh, because she's like a young, pretty blonde girl. And then you look at the real Elizabeth Holmes. Let me tell you, she's no Amanda Seyfried. Okay? Let's just put it like that. All right. We're going to pivot here because I got a bone to pick. I don't want you monkey mouth motherfuckers sitting in my throne again. Okay. Focus. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk Late, I guess, but thank God, about The Batman, which is now on HBO Max. Came out this past Monday. So, 
What a piece of shit. Oh, man, I fucking hated this movie. Okay, so let's get into it, shall we? I'm sure you've seen it by now. Fucking everyone on Earth, for some reason, wanted to see this thing. And everybody lied, which, you know, I wasn't really that surprised on. But everybody, internet and human, said, oh, this one's different, bro. Wait till you see it. Okay. This is like a real detective movie. Okay. It's not like a Batman movie. All right. Lies. It's the same. All right, let's break it down. (laughs) So this movie has the exact plot of The Dark Knight. And nobody seems to care about that. So let's break that down. In The Dark Knight, the Joker comes out of nowhere. Starts targeting elected government officials causes a stir the city's in panic he then evolves that into acts of domestic terrorism right doesn't seem to any be any way to disagree with that he does start with a bank robbery okay because he needed money i'll add that in sure the riddler If, I mean, I guess we're calling this guy the Riddler. Horrible. And listen, Paul Dano, you are a phenomenal actor. Horrific in this movie. The character is terrible. He just screams, and that's really it. (laughs) None of the riddles are that clever. Anyway, uh, (laughs) there's no humor to him at all. At all. He's just a lunatic. He's just like shitty Bane, basically. Anyway. What does the Riddler do in this movie, you ask? Well, he starts out by targeting government officials and killing them. Oh, wait. Did I just say that about something? And then... He slowly evolves into acts of domestic terrorism. Wait. Am I having deja vu? No, I'm not. Because it's the same fucking plot. Anyway, (laughs) he then blows up a bunch of vans that flood the city. And for some reason, in a city of skyscrapers... The place that everyone goes to during a flood is Madison Square Garden. Gotham Square Garden, excuse me. Um, Because, you know, when there's a flood, you want to be in a ground-level building just because there's a lot of seats. (laughs) It makes no sense, so fuck that already. Uh, But we'll backtrack even before that. So, Batman... Doesn't do anything in this movie. He accomplishes zero things. He helps a couple like loose crimes and there's some pretty good action scenes in there. But overall, in terms of catching the Riddler, he's always a couple steps behind and remains that many steps behind the entire movie. He uncovers some information. Sure. But it's always too late. Oh, he found out that there was going to be some bombs and some vans, but then they just happen. It's like, okay. And then at the end, they just like find the Riddler. 
but it, like not really because of anything Batman did. Because nothing in this movie is because of anything Batman did. So, uh, but I'll backtrack now. We'll we'll get to that point. So it starts off, blah, 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 whatever. He's Batman. It's early Batman, relatively. Uh, Gordon is still whatever. You know, he's not the commissioner. And the whole, the whole thing starts off. It's on Halloween. The mayor gets murdered by the Riddler. He leaves a message for Batman. Oh, gee. It's not like the Joker was trying to get in direct contact with Batman or anything. Anyway... Uh, so this is like a couple years in, whatever. The Riddler then just kills another guy, and there's another message. So then, you know, they start going through info. He leaves info, and it uncovers basically, oh, like the Penguin and Falcone are doing whatever. So then he goes to the club, and he meets Selena Kyle, who's Catwoman, because I guess Catwoman's in every movie now. As is, you know, there's just too many people in every movie now. Whatever, that's fine. Uh, Penguin is not the head. Obviously, Falcone still is. John Turturro playing him also. Terrible choice. The whole time, I just kept viewing him as the guy from Zohan. Like, that's him playing, like, a hard, hard body guy. It was just weird. I just felt like not an appropriate choice. I don't know. Anyway... It all stems from, like, this chick going missing because she's in, like... The evidence he finds after the first riddle, that's, he then finds out that that's Catwoman's roommate, whatever, so then he goes there, and then that's how they become, they have, like, a relationship from there. Uh, <laughs> look, this movie just moves so fucking slow, like, it's three hours, and just, like, nothing really happens a lot. Like, this movie should be cut down 45 minutes. Because it's like, yeah, cool. He's just like walking around. There's a lot of just people talking. Which I I guess does fit the, oh, this is more of a detective thing. But again, he doesn't solve any crimes or mysteries. Like the whole, the whole movie. In the end, he just didn't accomplish anything. So it all becomes very pointless. But there's a lot of just talking, talking, talking. And basically, they're like, we need to figure out who this informant is. That's it. The whole time, he's like, who's the informant? They're like, you find this informant, the city's gonna burn. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. And turns out the informant the whole time is Falcone himself, and then he's killed. And the city doesn't descend into chaos. Like nothing, Again, nothing really comes of that. Um, at, at one point, there's a chase scene between Batman and the Penguin. And everybody's like, oh, wait till you see that chase scene, man. It's unbelievable. Terrible chase scene. Okay, first of all, he's in the Batmobile. It has a rocket on the back of it. He can't catch Penguin, who's in like a Buick. Doesn't make any sense. And then there's like a bunch of turning and whatever that happens. It's all on the highway. And then he fucking, they 180 for some reason. And then they're driving the wrong way on the highway. And then for some reason, they have to stop. And they continue to drive the wrong way on the highway. It's like, dude, if you're trying to get away from someone, that's not going to help. He's going to be able to find you. Like, you're not going to be able to weave in and out of shit. It just doesn't make any sense. And then, like, 25 cars explode. There's, like, a, they, like, <laughs> Penguin, like, forces a semi to, like, crash into another one. And then there's a pileup and, like, a huge explosion. 
20 people must have died at least. Batman emerges, catches up to him and catches him. All they do is tie him up and leave him at some factory. And he's like, how am I going to get out of here? <laughs> and they're like, figure it out. It's like he just was responsible for the death of so many people. And Batman and Gordon are like, all right, we'll deal with him later. You're literally the police. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. You got him for at least seven crimes right there just on traffic violations. Like, what are we doing here? This is insane. And look, don't get me wrong. Like, Pattinson's good. He's he's very fitting to play this role, I would say. So it's not necessarily... Like, the acting is all good. It's just that the material is horrific. <laughs> so, kind of an important piece. Uh, but Zoe Kravitz is a good... Catwoman too like no gripes to any of that casting really just uh Totoro one was the only bad one I would say um then there's this whole subplot about like Thomas Wayne doing all this shit where like he hired Falcone to kill someone and shit and he's like my dad's not the man he thought I I thought he was I'm sad again (laughs) and it's like okay and he just believes everything Falcone says. Then he just tells Alfred about it. And Alfred's like, nah, it wasn't like that. And he's like, oh, all right, we good then. It's like, okay, glad we spent 45 minutes on this for no reason. <laughs> like, okay, Thomas Wayne's a bad man. Oh, actually, no, he's not. It's like, all right. We're just going to take everyone's word each time. So it's like if Alfred would have told him first. And then Falcone told him after. And it's also like, he's just finding out about this now. There's no way the best detective on earth wouldn't know information about his own parents. You know, the inspiration into him becoming Batman is the death of his parents. And yet he didn't look into the death of his parents at all as to why maybe it happened. Or as to maybe what their past was like when he was a kid since he didn't really get to know his family. But no, he didn't look into it at all. He waited for Carmine Falcone to tell him something casually in a meeting. Checks out. (laughs) yeah and then they set up an assassination thing at at the gotham square garden which he somehow has a bunch of followers and minions now because he was doing it on live stream or whatever but none of that checks out like it all just kind of happens inorganically it's like y'all spend fucking every second showing every detail of everything but the riddler is operating Completely on his own, which could be interesting, I guess, if it was done right. But it's like y'all are painstaking over every little thing in this movie, but the Riddler, we're not showing him operate. Like, at least in The Dark Knight, you would get to watch the Joker do his thing on his own. And then there would be a, like, how is this going to end would be a big reveal. But it's like. Batman is going through this like as a detective like what's the mystery how do we uncover it but it's like they're just trying to figure out who the Riddler is and we know that it's the Riddler so it's like whatever this reveal is going to be is going to be underwhelming you know I I don't know how to word that maybe that doesn't make sense but like it's like the way that they're presenting him go through his detective process is that like oh, like, there's going to be some information that, when revealed, is going to, like, complete the movie and, like, bring things forward into fruition. 
but it really doesn't. Like I said, like he just doesn't uncover anything, and then they just murder another guy, and then that's when there's a new riddle or message for Batman or whatever. So it's just kind of underwhelming every time. Because, like, we didn't know what was, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to word that, but it, it just didn't. It just didn't play out in any effective way. Everything was just very underwhelming. Um, and then also a thing that they did. Whenever there's a driving scene, Batman is clearly driving like through Manhattan. And then they'll cut to like. Oh, now he's driving on a bridge, which is just like clearly in Chicago. And basically they only filmed driving scenes in Chicago. And it's just him either driving across a bridge. Like on Lower Wacker. Or, like, driving under the L. And it's like, oh, so now you can't tell that it's New York City. Because, look, it's also Chicago. And it's just very jarring. It's like, how would he all of a sudden be going across a bridge if he's driving down 7th Avenue? You know? Like, I I get the the idea. Like, oh, we're trying to make Gotham City ambiguous. Because, like, that was a thing I noticed in The Dark Knight. It's like, this is clearly just Chicago. But in this movie, it's clearly just New York. Unless he's driving, and then it'll just cut to a bridge, and he's in Chicago, and then it'll cut back, and he's just not on a bridge, and he's in Manhattan. And it's just like, you guys wasted a bunch of money on this. <laughs> you know, like, there's no point to this at all. I liked in Rises how they used, like, Pittsburgh. Because people don't even know what Pittsburgh looks like. I don't. But you know they have all those bridges and shit. But anyway... It's just like, what a waste of time. And like, you did this to, for what? Like people wouldn't be able to tell. I don't know. I guess living in Chicago and having just been to New York, it's a lot more clear, but I think either way, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Like logistically, it's all very strange because they show large shots of the city. Like they'll show Times Square. And then he'll be on a bridge. And it's just like, well, where's the bridge? Like, this city doesn't make any sense. You know, even if you can't recognize which city's which, it just doesn't add up. And th- that bothered me. And then, yeah, in the end, I mean, they attempt to kill the new mayor at Madison Square Garden and they flood the city, but then he's just, or whatever, like, he just gets caught trying to kill somebody and that's how he gets caught. And then since he's caught, that's how Batman discovers the bomb thing. Somehow only he did that. None of the other people went to his apartment. It's just like, okay. And he discovers it too late, and then they try to kill the new mayor. And that's the one thing that gets thwarted, to be fair. But they still blew up the walls and flooded the city. And, you know, it's just like, cool. So we waited three hours for Batman to fail at everything and then he saves one person right at the end and it's like great (laughs) i guess now they did I'll, i'll give them the credit they did do really cool things like playing with shadows batman emerges from the dark nobody knows when he's coming like that was all like elite level stuff the cinematography was like pretty good it was choreographed well like all this technical stuff was all excellent uh, again, needed to come down like 45 minutes. It's so long for no reason. 
for what I just laid out, nothing happens the whole fucking time. And the the next one's just going to have the Joker in it because there's no other Batman villains. It's like, it'll never be topped. Heath Ledger's number one, and we thought, like, Nicholson was unbelievable. Those are both great actors, and Ledger's performance is such an anomaly. Like, he was already a great actor, but, like, nobody's done that. <laughs> you know? But no, we're just going to do it again, and if it's anything like the way the Riddler was, he's going to be awful. Because that was as bad of an interpretation of a Batman villain as I've ever seen. He was just annoying as fuck, and he would just ramble on and just scream. I I hated the Riddler in this. Like, Jim Carrey was a better Riddler, and that movie was obviously worse, (laughs) you know? It's just like, I don't know, do Scarecrow again, whatever. Bring back Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy. Like You can name all the ones that have been in movies. I'm sure there's a bunch of villains I'm not even thinking of that haven't yet been shown in movies. It's just like, why do we need to do the Joker again? And then what, there's going to be like 10 other additional characters in this new one now? Because you can't just have it be a simple... The whole thing is like, oh, this is a straightforward detective story blah 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 it's like to the roots of batman but it wasn't it was just the dark knight longer with less excitement way less cool set pieces a less strong villain like everything about it it was just a weaker version of the dark knight nobody seems to realize the parallels in the plot, I never read anything about that where it's exactly it's exactly the same plot, just with way less cool execution. And it's longer. It's like, cool, hopping on board. No fucking thank you. So that's the Batman. Alright, let's pivot to the third the thing of the episode. I'm gonna be a little brief on this one to dodge some spoilers. We're going to talk about The Northman. Saw it opening night. And it was great. I've been thinking about it ever since. This is one of those movies where you got to kind of sit on it. So right when it ended, I, I it's just a lot to take in as you're watching it. And then like the next morning, I was like, holy shit, that was great. I kind of like didn't have a reaction when it was over because I was still just like processing everything. So if you don't know about this movie, Robert Eggers' third film, who has quickly become a master and an actual auteur, not like fucking Jordan Peele, who made one movie that was great, undeniably. Second one was trash. The new one looks awful. There was an extended trailer for it before The Northman. It looks fucking terrible. Uh, So not a big Jordan Peele guy. Let me just say that. (laughs) Robert Eggers, his first movie was called The Witch. I think it's on Netflix. It's somewhere. You could see it. Uh, It's about like a Puritan pilgrim-esque family in the early colonies of America. And they basically get ostracized for their religious beliefs, which is weird because isn't that the whole reason they did that? But I don't really remember the details. And a bunch of weird shit keeps happening. Their animals die, their kids go missing, blah, 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 and it's all very subtle and very slow, and it just kind of happens. It's almost like a documentary. 
and basically they're concerned that there's a witch and because of their religious shit and it ends up being true and it's great it's a great movie uh second movie is the lighthouse which i think is a straight up masterpiece i saw that in theaters as well and i'm thankful for that that's our boy Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. They are lighthouse keepers and they descend into madness, but a lot of shit happens. Uh, it's in black and white, a beautiful black and white, a lot of contrast. It looks great. Uh, I don't like that it's shot in like a square format, but he did that, you know, because it's old timey. Uh, he puts a lot of research into his films so that the language is accurate, the way that they're speaking is accurate, the furniture the way they're building like anything like that they're making sure it's very accurate to the times and then just kind of throwing in a supernatural element on top of that uh but the lighthouse is unbelievable it's difficult apparently for a lot of people that i've talked to that have seen it but if you're not a fucking normie loser uh (laughs) you should like it so check that out but those are great movies he writes he directs them he's very meticulous and like i said everything is all about historical accuracy. So this movie is a Viking epic revenge saga, fucking set in the year like 900. And I think he he wanted it in like Nordic, he said, I saw in some interview. Uh, but given the budget, he had to compromise a lot more than he normally does. First two movies were just like small A24 productions and so he kind of got he got final cut he got to do whatever he wanted and he didn't really get to do that with this but the movie's still fucking excellent so i don't think he was compromised too much uh but the basic gist of the story is that a young prince watches his uncle murder his father as a child and he escapes and vows to return and avenge his father he sees his mother get carried away and basically forced into being you know, still the queen, but to her husband's brother. And so he vows to return, kill that man, save his mom. And that's that, really. And, like, resume his throne. Uh, He grows into Alexander Skarsgård, who looks like a god in this movie. He is massive and ripped, and he looks fucking excellent. And uh, he flees, like, via boat... And ends up wherever. (laughs) And basically gets raised into this like Viking tribe. And they do psychedelics and then they like raid a town. It's unbelievable. There's like a giant tracking shot throughout the whole thing. And you just kind of move with this dude. And all of the choreography is unbelievable. It looks like they did it in one take. And if they did, holy shit. Um... That that's a big Eggers thing. The cinematography is always crazy. He he'll either do like really long tracking shots or like still wides, almost like Wes Anderson. And there's just a good mix of all that. The camera work is just top notch. There's good like pivots and stuff. And it there's just a lot of visual elements in this movie. I, I feel like this movie could be you could turn the sound off, although keep this like if you could turn the dialogue off and keep the score on, this would be just as good somehow (laughs) uh the score is unbelievable there's music almost the entire time it's all tribal like drums and eerie like high-pitched noise who knows how they made it (laughs) he probably made them use like ancient instruments to do this shit it wouldn't surprise me um but even like the score will sync up with movements and shots in the movie it is really just excellent uh after they show the raid and stuff 
I don't want to reveal too much. Uh, but basically, he he finds where the uncle is hiding just through like casual conversation, uh, you know, like detective work. But this movie moves along. It's only two hours. And he has to like disguise himself as a slave. And then he meets Anya Taylor-Joy and blah, blah, blah. And shit goes crazy. Okay, there's a sword fight in a volcano. <laughs> there's a ton of amazing stuff. Willem Dafoe is in it as like this witch doctor guy. Bjork's in it as an actual like witch lady. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But there's a lot of the same themes where it's like, okay, here's people in the past and they have these really crazy beliefs because life is just so crazy that you kind of have to. But then a lot of that stuff is depicted as very real in the movie. Um, and yeah, there's like mystical realms. They trip and crazy shit happens. There's just a, just a, there's old like sports <laughs> that they recreate and they like have to play this game, but it's incredibly violent. People die and shit. Uh, there's some brutal violence. It's excellent. Everything is just excellent. And it's basically like the first real Viking movie ever. From what I gather, that's what people keep saying in all the press stuff leading up to it. Because other than that, there's like He-Man and like Conan the Barbarian and shit like that, where it's just like fake crazy shit. Whereas yet again, he tries to really show you how shit was going down and uh, wasn't great. Wasn't great. I got to say that. (laughs) But everybody in it is fantastic. Ethan Hawke plays uh, his dad who gets killed, you know, spoiler, but not really because it's you know, in the trailer, uh, the just great cast. Nicole Kidman plays his mother who there's kind of a plot twist with that. So I won't reveal that, but when that happens, she gets to really shine and she is unbelievable in it. They kind of intentionally give her a minimal role to start for that reason. And there's just a lot, there's a lot of shit you wouldn't expect. You don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, he meets Anya Taylor-Joy, who's, like, one with the Earth, so she can, like, su- I, don't, I don't really understand. There's a lot of shit just with, like, mysticism and, you know, however you want to word it. But everybody in it is just phenomenal. I saw this fucking article on The Ringer. This dude, he is so pretentious all the time. I hate whenever he, I hate some of the elements of what he writes. Some of it is excellent, though. He's great at analyzing stuff. Um... But man, he's like, Anya Taylor-Joy is blah, blah, blah. This is like a masculine movie and she's not the feminine voice we need. It's like, bitch, it's a Viking movie in the 900s. Like, what are we talking about here? She was supposed to be this feminist icon? Like, sorry, bud. It's historically accurate. As much as I wish that that could have been true, it just couldn't. Like, what are we talking about here? Her performance was great. She is phenomenal. Uh, it's a little, it gets a little slow in the middle just because once he arrives to where his uncle is, he basically has to bide his time and like wait for the right moment to strike. Uh, but it all pays off. It's basically just because you never know what's going to happen. This guy's basically unpredictable because he's a giant Viking warrior and can destroy anyone whenever he wants. Uh, so you never really know what's going to go down. So you're kind of always anticipating like more action, more action. Um, and there is like real story in there. There's a real plot and real things happen and things get revealed that you weren't expecting. 
It's just excellent. Uh, there's very light and sparse humor in this. It's more like The Witch in its very serious tone. Um, but there's some slight comic relief in there. But mostly it is just pure vengeance. <laughs> this man is just determined on vengeance. Uh, and it's just great. Uh, at one point, though, <laughs> they're like, I think the Christians must have did this or something. And they go like, <laughs> they're like, their God is a corpse on a board or something. It's like, who knows what the fuck these guys might do. <laughs> and it's just hilarious to think of that perspective because they're like, yeah, we worship like the sun or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, just a lot of good stuff. The whole movie is fantastic. Took me a while to process, but that's a good thing too. Cause now I just kind of want to go see it again, but I won't till it's out somewhere but uh fucking awesome it's really that's that's my analysis of this don't watch the batman watch the north man okay okay <laughs> well thanks for tuning in to episode 100 what a hundred it's been here's to many hundred more am i right ladies and germs uh, rate, review, and subscribe to Requiem for a Tuesday. Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, do all the shit. Hook me up. It's been 100 now. Isn't that official? Don't you guys realize that I'm still doing this? So come on, let's boost it up. Uh, <laughs> merch is rfat.bigcartel.com. Justice's show, forgot to mention that earlier. Microwave Minutes, check that out. Uh, he put out our New York episode. So that'll be linked in this description below, and when I post this, I'll retroactively put it in the last episode, since that was the New York episode, and then that'll be all nice and tied together. Doesn't that sound good? I imagine there was a crowd there responding back, and I was like, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> follow me on Instagram, adam.rfat. That's pretty much it. Everything is linked in the description below, plus that new thing that I just mentioned. Oops, sorry for the audio skip there. Uh... <laughs> So thanks for tuning in. I love you. See you next time for 101. What? What a long, strange trip it's been in Foreman's basement. All right. Before I get you out of here, let me just remind you something. I are fat. You are fat. We are fat. Calculator.